I've done several podcasts where we discuss how poorly homes are built in this country and the questionable choices we make about where we build them. And then disasters happen and the homes get wiped out. Well, that's one aspect of what goes into your home. But there's a whole other area that we're going to talk about today that I haven't really talked about. And that's what goes inside your house. Because as I found out from my guest today, there are so many bad choices we make with what we put on the inside of our house. And those things can actually kill us or cause all kinds of health problems. We normally just don't think about them. My guest today is Andrew Pace. He's a healthy home concierge and the founder of the Green Design Center, a leading resource for homeowners and contractors looking to source products that are healthy and green. I'm George Siegel, and this is the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Every week, we introduce you to people who are working on real-world problems and providing actual solutions. Tell Us How to Make It Better is partnering with The Readiness Lab, the home for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. Andrew, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here with you. Every time I schedule you, I know this isn't going to run for a few weeks, but every time I schedule you, there's a hurricane in Tampa. So <laughs> what is it? You're bringing us uh, bad weather. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, maybe send that warmth up to us, though, because, you know, uh, here in Wisconsin, it's supposed to be 28 degrees tomorrow. Wow. I, I, I think I'll take a hurricane over cold weather. And <laughs> I used to live in Detroit and, and oh. it was a gr great place to live, but very cold in the winter. Yeah, you know that for sure. I do. I know that very well. So before we get started, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, for people who don't necessarily know you that well, mm -hmm. tell me something about you that most people do not know. Oh, boy. So most people who are listening probably do not know that um, in my spare time, I am a certified Scotch whiskey sommelier. Really? Yes. Yes. And so, you know, I, I, I the funny thing is I'm not a big drinker. Uh, it's just I love I love stories. I love history. I love knowledge. And I, a good friend of mine was a, a really liked scotch and he got me into it. And um, I like the nuances between different um, styles and brands and so forth. And I just, I got invested into it. I, I, I cannot look at something and not dive deep into it. And so I ended up going to Scotland a few times, getting my certifications. Uh, and now I, do mainly for um, fundraising events. Uh, I do uh, whiskey tasting events. Interesting. I've been to one for uh, rum and I okay. had no idea all the little nuances with rum. Right. With whiskey. Don't you actually, though, have to have have tasted it? So oh, you yeah. And then tell people you have to know more than just the stories. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I do taste it. I mean, I, I guess to, to say is I'm not you know, I don't go home at night and have a drink every night. You know, uh, I have whenever I, I'm having a, a whiskey, it's usually because I'm doing an event or I'm doing research for an event, which sounds like a horrible job. I know <laughs> but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Very cool. And then yeah. the other thing is, if OK, you can have a meal with anybody living or dead and you get to sit down, have dinner, hang out and talk. Who would you who would you choose? Oh, my. If I could have a meal living or dead with anybody. I, I, you know, I have to say it, uh, Jesus Christ, I would love to know everything that I don't know. And, um, I hope someday to find out, but it would be nice to know while I'm still living and big. I'll see what I can do to, to, to set that up for you. But, Thank you. Um, that's going to be tough. That's a big <laughs> ask. 
All right, let's jump right into this. What is the problem that you have identified and tell us what you're doing to make it better? All right. The problem I have identified is the fact that the way we build homes today, today the way we live in homes today is uh, it leads to people not being able to heal themselves while they're living there. What I mean by that is we're inundated with thousands of chemicals throughout the day from the products that people put on their skin, perfumes, hairspray, to the materials that we surround ourselves in with our, our offices and our building and our homes and so forth. But when we get when we do get home, that should be the environment where your body can rest, relax, rejuvenate. And unfortunately, it's usually worse at home than it is throughout the rest of your daytime because we're sort of locked into this toxic box. And so I found this out the hard way many, many years ago, uh, 30 plus years ago, that building materials can make people sick. And I turn that into a business now where I work with clients all over the world and I help them remodel or build healthier homes or just help them live in, in a healthier space. And we certainly can do it. It's just a very, very uh, difficult proposition these days. So this is a lot more than just say, get, making sure they don't have Chinese drywall in their house, right? I mean, you're talking about a lot of different areas in the home yep. where there can be problems. Exactly right. You know, a home can be made up of of well over a thousand different materials. And you start breaking those things down to I mean, literally the screws and nails that hold the home together. You know, the, the, the situation with the Chinese drywall after Hurricane Katrina was essentially an eye-opener for a lot of people to show how dangerous a poorly made product can be inside of a home. But what we find is it, it's it's like peeling the layers of an onion. You know, it, it, the next layer can be just as stinky or stinkier than the one you just replaced. And so we're finding that all the building materials that we use, whether it's the, the, the framing, the, the wood studs that can bring in mold spores into the house, the treated lumber that can... Um, cause flame retardants and pesticides to uh, then evaporate or what's called off gas into the livable space. Uh, paints and coatings, the flooring materials, insulation, roofing materials, you name it. Everything will off gas something for a period of time. And it's a matter of figuring out how to either replace those materials with healthier items, seal them, uh, or manage them once they've been released. How do we get, get them out of the house? Now, I made a documentary film called The Last House Standing, and it was about how we buy and build homes in places without truly understanding the risks. And we also build them not very well. You know, a right. lot of them are very poorly built to withstand the hazards that that could affect them. Sure. Most people do not want to pay for a safer house. No. What do you find for people paying for an environmentally safer house? Well, it's it's a good question because especially nowadays with the cost of building materials the way they are and the and the rising interest rates, generally speaking, if you compare apples to apples, quality level to quality level, a healthy home should not cost a dollar more than a traditional built home. But this is where it really gets into the weeds. The fact of the matter is that you are right. Many homes, I can't say the majority built around the country, but in many parts of the country, there, there is no building code, or if there is building code, there's nobody to enforce it. And so it's up to the contractor. Essentially, it's like the Wild West. They're doing whatever they want. 
And it's up to then the homeowner to to uh, police that. And most homeowners don't have the knowledge. They don't know how a home gets put together. They 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 just look at it and say, okay, this is looking fine. They don't realize what's been done and where uh, they've skipped code and they've skipped some recommendations. But it, it it's a problem in that we build homes predominantly out of wood. And I'm sure your your documentary probably delved into this. Oh, yeah. We build out of wood because wood is prevalent here in North America. In Europe, they build homes out of concrete for the most part. Why is that? Because all the ingredients of concrete uh, um, were essentially originated from, from that, that location. And you look at something like the Colosseum that was built 2,000 years ago that's still standing today versus the oldest wood structure in the United States built in the 1600s, you can't even enter because of fear of collapse. And why is that? Because wood is not designed to be a a, a thousand-year material. It's designed to be more temporary. Yeah, if everybody built with concrete, it would solve a lot of the issues I'm sure you deal with oh, yeah. in houses, especially the mold issue if, if, it's, yes. if it's built right. For sure. Um, but the problem is, you know, what we talked about in, in Moore, Oklahoma, they changed the building code after eight tornadoes wiped mm-hmm. them out. But it only cost less than $2 a square foot to build your house safely. But if they hadn't changed the building code, a builder we interviewed there said, most people probably still wouldn't do it. Right. Because we're more interested in the icing on the cake than we are in the ingredients. And well, so how, right. do you combat, how do you combat that? It, well, it, it really starts it's just in two locations. Number one, the the homeowner themselves are the ones paying the bill. Uh, they have to be educated enough to know what to ask for, what to look for. But the second problem we have, and probably the bigger issue, is that the building industry itself is uh, essentially policed by themselves. They write the specifications. They write the guidelines. When When you have builders who are members of home building associations, uh, it's not a third party saying, here's how you need to build it. It's all the builders getting together and saying, what's the best way for us to do this and to make it sound official. And so they're not necessarily pushing their own um, partners in crime, I would say, with um, higher standards, better building codes. And so it takes third parties to get involved to push these codes. And then you're going to get pushback for the next 10 years. I'm sure in Oklahoma, it was like with the strapping involved in, in the framing. Nobody wanted to do that because the cost of the strapping could add a couple thousand dollars to a cost of a home. Or your home gets blown over with a very mild hurricane or a mild tornado. So, I mean, seriously, it's 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 these are very simple things. But this is also why the cost of homes to, to build them have gone up so much in the last 30, 40 years, because we've realized that we need to build them safer and healthier uh, with more longevity, with better quality materials. And so it's not just the increase in cost of material, but it's the increase in technology used to get you into a home that's going to last a longer time. Yeah, I don't have a lot of love for the construction industry, because especially when they have a lobby group that lobbies to keep codes lower. So they're kind of working to keep the houses less expensive. And I've always thought if somebody would step up and be a hero and say, look, I'm not just going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a house that's forward thinking and is actually going to be around down the road. Right. And then you get rewarded for it. So mm-hmm. let's talk about specifically the things that you do. Give me an example. Let's walk through. Is, is it most, do you do more in, in new homes or can you also do it in, 
in existing houses because there's, there's a lot of houses that are still still around that people could sure. probably fix up. We can do it in both. I will say this, that if you know a, a, a large percentage of my clientele are people with extreme allergies, asthma, chemical sensitivities, they've been poisoned by mold in past houses. They've been poisoned by the materials in past houses. So they come to me to help them build a healthy home. It's a lot easier to build a home from the ground up that's completely free of toxins than it is to take an existing home and renovate it to that point because you don't know what you're getting into until you start opening things up. Sure. But that said, uh, in the 30 plus years of doing this, I've worked with well over 30, 32,000 customers uh, around the world. And I can say that with the knowledge gained from working with those clients, we've learned that 90% of the chemical toxicity issues that come from building materials will come from the things you see and touch on a daily basis once you move into the house. So people spend a lot of time looking at things like insulation and roofing materials and framing and so forth, which are all very important, mainly for your structural longevity, durability, energy efficiency. But when it comes to human health concerns, 90% will come from the things you see and touch on a daily basis. Flooring materials is number one. Flooring materials will almost always be the biggest offender of indoor air quality in anybody's home. The second thing will be all your painted surfaces, your walls and your ceilings. Third, cabinetry, woodwork, and um, built-ins, your shelving units and so forth. And then the last thing will be your own personal furnishings, area rugs, window treatments, things of that nature. So when selecting materials for a new home or for a remodel, We'll want to spend a good amount of time talking about these four areas because this will be the have the biggest impact on your indoor air quality. But then we can't forget about those areas that you don't see once the home is up, the insulation, the sheathing, caulking materials, air barriers, things of that nature. Because once you do it, they're kind of done. You have one shot at it. So let's make sure we choose wisely. Now, when somebody buys a house or even when they're doing their walkthrough with a house that they just had built, you often have a home inspector come in, but yes. they're not looking for the kind of things that you're talking about. Not at Is all. Is it very expensive to test for those things just to find it? Because I always thought, think too, if you test for things, you're going to probably find some stuff. Oh yeah. What's a reliable way to find out how toxic your house is? That's a great question. And it kind of comes down to the, the, the testing protocol. You have to kind of know what you're testing for in order to, to conduct the right test. So what I test for or what, we have a, uh, on our website, you can purchase a product called a home air test kit. And it actually uh, tests for uh, 30 to 40 of the top VOCs that are found in people's homes. And most importantly, formaldehyde, because technically speaking, formaldehyde is a volatile organic compound, but it requires a different test method. And so you have to specifically test for formaldehyde formaldehyde is a key trigger for people with allergies, asthma, and sensitivities. Formaldehyde is found in a large percentage of traditional building materials. And so I know that if I find formaldehyde, and I especially find it in, in elevations of 20 parts per billion or higher just in the air in your home, that that can be considered an unsafe level to live in, especially for anybody who's got a depressed immune system. Once we find out that there is elevated formaldehyde, we now start going through the building materials, again, that you can see and touch, kind of like through process of elimination. We're going to look at the flooring materials, 
the walls, the cabinetry, and other things. We have a testing system here called a FRAT test, a formaldehyde release attenuation test, where we can test specific surfaces of the home down to one part per billion and tell you exactly the offending areas. Well, it almost sounds like an example of careful what you look for. So let's say I get that kit and I test my house. And it shows there's a lot of stuff that shows up on that test. Sure. I'm going to be like, whoa, what do I do now? Now what's it going to cost me to get to the bottom of this? Right. Sometimes ignorance is bliss in those things, maybe. Well, I would say this this is this is why I believe the industry as a whole hasn't tackled this problem. I believe that everybody who's involved in construction knows that the materials that they use aren't probably very healthy. They're never going to admit that to their clients and they'll, they'll admit it to themselves behind closed doors. So when the VOC issue came out 20 years ago, uh, volatile organic compounds, contractors started look, listening up and, okay, well, we got to reduce VOCs. The problem is, is that VOCs are not regulated by the EPA because of human health concerns. They're regulated because of outdoor air pollution. The VOC content of a product really has nothing to do with human health directly. It has to do with low-level smog. But the building industry said, okay, well, we agree we'll cut down on VOCs. Okay, we'll start using the low VOC products. But they really haven't addressed the health issue at all. They, they know this. And so when somebody complains that, that somebody moves into a home, they complain that there's uh, they're getting headaches, they're feeling flu-like symptoms and so forth, they're usually saying, well, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's got, obviously it's something that you're, you're coming in contact with, but it's nothing we've done. Then I get involved and I say, well, yeah, you've got high levels of formaldehyde. It, it's now, now the industry is going to push back. The builder is going to push back. The suppliers will push back. Nobody wants to be responsible, but this is what we build our homes with. I mean, to your point of your, of your documentary, uh, we don't build homes to last. We don't build homes to be healthy. And so that's what we're trying to change. And then what's the fix on that? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think of some of the knuckleheads I've built houses with. And, and if I did a test like that, I was working with one guy who begged me not to test one particular thing because he didn't want to know what the answer was. Sure. Because it's like, what, boy, you know, it's like getting a Cologuard test. And then it says, yeah. okay, now you got to get a colonoscopy. So <laughs> right. what's the risk with this? I mean, what, what, what would a builder have to say? Wow, I have to repaint the house. I have to tear the floor up. I have to get new carpeting. I mean, what's the cure? Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, seriously, uh, I, you know, one tidbit I can pass along that'll probably shock everybody is, uh, but it's 100% true. Carpeting is typically the most toxic thing you can put in your house. For a number of reasons, probably. But Number of reasons. Carpeting is made from anywhere from 600 to 1,200 chemicals. Uh, I have personally tested carpeting that's 35 years old that still off-gasses toxic levels of formaldehyde. Wow. And so... Uh, the way that carpeting is made today is a little bit different than it was 35 years ago. It's made with lower formaldehyde, but you have to remember that carpet is also a sponge. It absorbs outgassing of other materials and kind of sits in there. So now you're essentially walking over a, a toxic sponge. And so uh, I have, I'll tell people, even in a new home, if the home comes with carpet, I'd rather have you live on the wood subfloors until you can afford better flooring. From a human health standpoint, the best thing you can do right away is rip out the carpet. No carpet at all. No carpet at all. Now, there are two brands of carpet in the world that do make carpeting that's completely free of synthetic chemicals. 
Earthweave and Nature's Carpet. Both of them are made from natural wool. Neither one of them are treated with pesticides or chemical dyes, but they're expensive because they're wool carpets, number one. Number two, this doesn't account for those people who have wool sensitivities and they can't use wool either because it makes them itchy. So, I mean, you have to... You have to choose materials based on the customer. Of course, there are some general rules. Stay away from formaldehyde, you know, stay away from from carpeting. But, you know, when it comes to making specific recommendations for customers, my customers who have chemical sensitivities, allergies, they have Lyme disease, mast cell disorder, all these different afflictions, um, I have to choose materials for them based upon what I believe is going to be healthier for them and then they have to test to make sure it will uh, be okay for them i loved in your media information homesick you talked <laughs> about homesick has a new meaning no doubt we're it really does. getting sick in our homes now is this for people that aren't allergic to it are we still getting is it like cell phones where we're still getting a level of contamination that's doing something to us even though it's not bothering us at the time sure well i think you know i can um relate it to this and and because we're talking about construction, we all know contractors who have been in the industry for 30 years or longer. And they'll say, listen, none of this stuff is bad. I, look at me. I'm okay. You know, uh, but there's, there is a very well-known problem in the painting industry, but with painting contractors, but never talked about that. There's a correlation between uh, painters and substance abuse because a lot of the chemicals found in traditional paints today are actually classified as narcotics. But the industry doesn't want to talk about this. Um, there are people who are leaving construction, and then once they finally go see a doctor for their checkup, find out they, they have one form of cancer or another. Uh, again, huge in the industry, especially with flooring installers and carpet layers. Um it's not just because they're on their hands and knees all day. It's because they're on their hands and knees all day breathing in what's coming off of their materials. But the, these are problems that are serious, but just not talked about. And then there's people who just say, I walk on new carpeting and my feet, my feet start to feel numb. And that's neuropathy that's caused by the chemical exposure. And so there's a lot of information about this that's out there, but I think most people take the head in the sand mentality because the more, you know, the less you want to know. Yeah. I, my office in my house was upstairs. It was a really small room that had wood and I moved it downstairs to a room that has carpet. So now I feel like I'm sitting in some toxic pit <laughs> talking to you, but yeah. the sound is better because the carpet is better the noise. You got yeah. that right. And so that's the thing. It's the trade-off. It's the, with every customer I work with, they all have different requirements. Uh, obviously, everybody who wants to work with me wants to live in a healthier home. Maybe it's because they just want to do better for the kids. Um, or maybe it's because there's somebody in the family that is actually going through cancer treatments or somebody who has depressed immune system because of Lyme disease. Um, or I, I have customers who have um, autistic children and they spend a lot of time on the ground and they don't, they, their symptoms are, are, are worsened by chemical exposure. So I help them live in a healthy home for them. People have asked me over the years, then why can't you just write a book on how to build a healthy house? It's impossible because everybody's going to be just a little bit different. There are some rules 
I go by against with, with, with formaldehyde and other things. But for the most part, it's individual choices for each person. Well, I've met a lot of guys that and men and women that that build concrete homes mm-hmm. and they, they're amazed more people don't want them. And then I ask them questions about cost and nobody really has a good answer. They kind of say, okay. well, it'll be a little bit more. So they can't really tell you. And I always thought if you could line up a concrete house versus a wood house. Yes. And show people it'll cost X dollars more to build it. But we're going to factor in. Here's what your costs are. If, if your house gets wiped out, here's your cost True. of relocation, all the different things that go into it. Can you lay some dollars on the line and say, if I'm building a $500,000 house and now I want to make it a safe environment, sure, is it going to do a lot to the cost? So, yeah, I can put some numbers to this. Um, matter of fact, because of the pandemic and the cost of building materials, the cost of lumber specifically, you know, lumber went up five times. Um, the cost of where it was, it's come back down again to where it's almost pre-COVID levels, but not necessarily. Right now, just the materials alone to build a concrete home versus a traditional stick frame are probably running about 25% higher. Now, that's just the shell of the home, okay? It's not the interior, because nothing changes on the inside. But on the outside, the materials cost about 25% more. So this will equate to in a in a half a million dollar home, probably raising the price fifteen thousand dollars in material. What doesn't um, get calculated here is the cost of the labor because building a concrete home requires having uh, a crew that knows how to put the blocks together. Yeah, this is where we run into problems. 20 years ago, I was a huge advocate of insulated concrete form homes because I saw this as the wave of the future, the best way to build a healthy home. Um, and it, the reason why it's a healthy home is because it, it eliminates mold in the cavity walls because there is no cavity wall. Um, from a standpoint of indoor air quality, I'm controlling exactly when and where fresh air comes in the home because there's no leaks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the perfect way to build. However, if I don't have crews that know what they're doing, the cost of labor can go up 30 to 50%. And now all of a sudden that fifteen dollars to $20,000 material cost jumps up to a forty dollars to $50,000 increase. And you're looking at 10% more on the entire home. And that's, that's probably where I would say, if you're going to budget, figure about your overall cost of a home will probably go up about 10% just to build an insulated concrete form home. Now you've got to look at the interiors. If we're going to build a a home with quality interiors, floor materials, cabinetry, countertops, and so forth, the cost of the home should not go up a dollar if you want those quality materials to also be healthy. But if you're going to the big box stores and you're buying whatever's on sale because now the rest of the home costs too much to build and the inside has to, we've got to kind of shrink that budget it's going to cost more to build a healthy home. And so how much more really depends on, on, you know, what the budget was beforehand. And so the easiest way to answer that question is if you're building apples to apples, quality level to quality level, there is no difference in price. It would be great if we had a statistic that we could show the cost of not doing it. Mm. And I was, I went up to this place, which is about an hour North of Tampa um, a few weeks ago called Zephyr Hills. And there's a huge development that's being built, all of wood, 100% from the ground up. And I'm looking at that going, 
What are they thinking about? I think what happened was it got to the point where, and I know this because I have friends building in the Tampa area right now, they couldn't get concrete block. And so they're starting, they're going to do 30 home or 40 home starts. And all of a sudden block was non-existent. And so they had to make a choice. Do we halt construction or we just change materials to keep the job going? And I think a lot of projects just switched over to wood. Now, on the flip side, during the height of the pandemic in, in you know, late 2020 um, uh, and through mid-2021, a lot of projects that would normally be wood frame ended up going insulated concrete form because that became the same price or less and material was readily available. And so, again, it usually comes down to cost when it comes to construction and development. And, and it's not cost of your health or my health. It's cost of, you know, their bottom line. And this is where, I, you know, what you're getting at is, wouldn't it be great if we knew, all right, we build a healthy home, we build a traditional home. Now, a healthy home that's made from concrete, not only are you going to save energy every month because it's going to cost next to nothing to heat or cool the space compared to a traditional home, but you're also going to save how many doctor visits per year and then long-term health. It's hard to, it's hard to put a number on that because obviously everybody's different and we don't know what you're exposed to beyond your home, but it comes down to a quality of life issue and how much is quality of life worth to people. And what I mean by that is peace of mind. If I know that every night I'm going home to a completely healthy home that's actually going to be a healing, rejuvenative space, that's good peace of mind that instantly makes me feel better. And so it actually helps to, to um, have that, uh, the, you know, the body responds to that, um, that feeling of, of, um, of health. It responds to um, that that feeling of, of um, knowing that you're going into a healing space. I always thought too, that the industries that would also benefit from this in the case of building a safe, you know, mm -hmm. structural home, the insurance industry would have something to gain there because they wouldn't have to pay for all the damage. Right. But they don't seem that motivated. At least I'm not aware of it. If they are, it's not that the public isn't hearing about it. You may know right. stuff that I don't. And then in your industry, health insurance, why would they not want to do preventative stuff and help and reward people for building in a way that keeps people healthier? I think that should be part of it. It should be part of it. Um, I, both of those points are fantastic. The, the The problem we have is the industry itself is dictating where things go. And so why don't you have giant builders marketing that they can build a healthy home? Well, because if, January 1, 2023, a big home builder says, we now can build you a healthy home too. What does that say about all the homes they built prior to that? Unhealthy, right? Well, that's a, it's probably a nicer way to say it. It's like, wow, well, we're evolving that, our technology. I know. Well, this is the problem because it now opens themselves up th themselves up to lawsuits from people who live in a home that was built last year where they weren't marketing a healthier home. This happened in the in the industry 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, when uh, a company came out with the very first formaldehyde-free uh, fiberglass insulation. Within a month, this company had to put full-page ads in the trade publication saying, we're not doing this because of human health issues. We're doing it because there's a better resin. Uh, it's less expensive. It keeps our costs down. It's better technology and so forth. They had to backtrack 
the whole reason why they switched over from formaldehyde. And so it's all because of the threat of lawsuits. The paint industry has has gone through this. Um, just about every paint manufacturer in the United States has been joined in a class action lawsuit or been fined by the um, by the FTC because of claims made about their zero VOC paints, because at the end of the day, they're not any healthier. They're just better for the outdoor environment, but they marketed them as being healthier. And there has to be a way, though, to slip that in, because, you know, when when cars started being made with airbags. Right. Um, everybody that was killed or injured without an airbag didn't go back and sue the automotive industry. I mean, it's, it's sad to think we can't make things safer because right. it's going to show that we weren't making them safe. Yeah, but the, but in this situation or, or in your in analogy, airbags were invented. They were put into cars. Seatbelts were invented, put into cars. We all know formaldehyde is a carcinogen. Everybody knows this. But it's still used on in half of the products used in our homes. Why? Because they don't want to admit the fact that this is a problem. Um, they also look at the ingredients and say, yeah, but it, it really does some good for the product itself. You know, it is a really good antifungal. It's a really good, you know, curing agent. It's a really good flame retardant, so on and so forth. And so they're they're lobbying to be able to continue to use these chemicals, even though we all know how dangerous they are. Yeah, I saw a documentary a few years ago, and I can't remember the name, but it was about this dad went and got involved with the uh, companies because they were putting fragrance in things, in clothes, yes. in different products. Uh -huh. And it's how they're killing us with fragrances, and they know it's bad, mm -hmm. but they're still doing it. They're still doing it. Well, all right, another example. There's about 92,000 chemicals used in the production of building materials and home goods in this country. 92,000. Out of those 92,000, we only know the toxicological effects of about 3%. We have no idea what the other 80-some thousand chemicals do to the human body, and we certainly don't know how they interact with one another and create new chemical compounds within the home. The home. Out of all these chemicals that have ever been invented, there's only been a handful that have ever been deemed to be illegal for use. And so the only reason why a product becomes illegal to use or is, is taken off the market is if there's enough class action lawsuits threatening to put companies under, which is what happened with asbestos and lead. Uh, and, and this is why mold is as big as it is now because of all the insurance claims from mold damage and people getting sick. So it's just a matter of time before chemicals are added to this equation um, we already had BPA banned in plastics because of, you know, BPA is an endocrine disruptor. But what do they replace it with? They replace it with BPB, which now scientists are saying is probably even more dangerous for humans than BPA, but it hasn't hit that threshold yet of being taken out of products because there hasn't been enough lawsuits. Well, I got to say, you're depressing the hell out of me. I know, <laughs> which is not why I want to be here, but, you know, is exactly why I do what I do, because there are better ways to do it. And it's not going to cost more. It's not going to be more difficult. It's just something we all have to think about that. Do we want to live in a home that is a healing space or a home that's not? Yeah, it should be an easy decision. I was going to say I was going to go live in the woods, but then probably climate change and uh, <laughs> different things out there will kill me. So I'll get it. One for every the pro, other. there's so, a con for sure. <laughs> I know. So give me a give me a simple action item here. To kind of wrap this up yeah where i i'm either in a home or i'm thinking of buying a home yeah what's the first thing i should do 
Well, obviously, the first thing you do is is and we talked about this before with home inspections, making sure that the home is in a good it's a good, solid, sound structure. Right. No mold problems, no structural problems from that. You can make it a healthier space just by doing something simple like putting in a good air purification system in the house. Um, making sure that the cleaning materials we use aren't adding to that chemical soup. Uh, people ask me all the time if you know they buy a house that has brand new flooring or brand new cabinetry, should I rip that out and replace it right away? No, of course not. Unless there's some acute health issue, don't worry about it to that level. Understand that our bodies are amazing things and they can tolerate a whole host of chemicals throughout the day. And most people have the ability to filter that stuff out. The people who have extreme chemical sensitivities are those rare, you know, 10%, 15% of the country that just don't have the ability to filter that those poisons out very well. So it comes across as being flu-like symptoms, trouble sleeping so on and so forth. And it can go obviously get worse than that. So don't replace things right away if you don't have to. But as you do make improvements in your home, think about just getting materials that are healthier for you and the occupants. You've given me a whole bunch of new industries to get upset with now. Yeah, um, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you so much. I wish I had known about you before I bought my house because um, there's there's so many things here that I think are important for people to check out. What's the best way for people to follow you? And I'm going to put it all in the show notes, but you have a website and you also, uh, what's the best way to reach out? I do. So um, our main website, which is thegreendesigncenter.com. This is where you can find, first of all, link directly to my consulting. Um, I consult with people who are building a home, remodeling a home, or just need to, you know, paint a room. They just need some assistance. Um, I'll give them, you know, assistance in 15 minute increments. Uh and then also a lot of the materials that I have found over the years that have met our requirements for our customers. We've kind of curated the best of the best and put them on that website. And then I do a podcast called Non-Toxic Environments. I've got a couple hundred episodes out there, essentially all about building, remodeling, just living in a healthier home. And, and I kind of go into this in great detail about very specific things. Interesting. I'm definitely going to check out your podcast because I, I I just find the stuff you're talking about so important and fascinating to me that oh, thank you. most people don't think about it. And I, right. I, I think the only way to change things, because the industries aren't going to change it, we have to demand it as the consumers. If we don't put our feet down and say, we're tired of you dumping your crap on us, we want mm -hmm. better, they're not going to do it. You know, I love that you just said that because honestly, when I first got into this business, I was in commercial construction. And I was a commercial construction material supplier. I was I found out about a paint product called AFM Safe Coat, which is the only toxin-free paint made in North America. I found out about this stuff. I brought it to a friend of mine who was the head of building maintenance for the largest medical center in Wisconsin. I said, Jim, I want you to try this paint to see if how you like it. I had doctors and nurses coming up to me after after you know the painters put it on, saying, Where can I get this stuff for my house? But yet the painters themselves didn't want to use it because it was just too expensive, they thought. So it dawned on me that I can't sell it to commercial construction. I can't go to the architects and designers because they'll never specify it because it's always about price. Homeowners, consumers themselves, they're the ones who wanted this. So I started a business selling these materials retail. And I found out in the last 30 years that they still run the show. People who are 
writing the check, people who are buying the product, they're the ones who can change the industry because they are now buying the products and going to the contractor saying, use this or I'll find somebody else. And it really is making a huge difference when you do give you know, power to the consumer. Yeah, people have to put their foot down. If we don't wake up as the consumers, mm-hmm. nobody's ever going to look out for us. I think it's such a jungle out there. I agree. So we have to be our own best advocates. Yeah, and when it comes to these types of materials, don't wait for don't wait for the government to regulate toxicity out of these materials because it will never happen. It has there's th- this is not on the radar. Uh they'll regulate outdoor air pollution uh and the materials. They'll regulate you know, cars and gas mileage and emissions and so forth. But when it comes to human health inside of our homes, there is no regulation on the books that helps any one of us. You got to do it yourself. Great information. Andy, thank you so much for coming on today. And um, I hope people go and check out your stuff because uh, I know I'm going to. I think it's a lot of great information. Well, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's Tell Us How to Make a Better podcast. All the information to get in touch with Andrew you will find in the show notes as well as a contact form to reach out to me and all my social media contacts as well. If you enjoyed what you were listening to, please subscribe to the podcast and share the link with other people. And we hope to see you back here week after week. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.